you have your Bibles for just a few moments, I want to direct you to the book of Genesis chapter 21. And again, so good to have Sister Creel. I feel honored that she is with us, life and ministry that uh, her and Brother Creel have had in so many lives, even here in this church. The far-reaching effects of a faithful witness. You never dreamed when you started out how many years ago in Houston that all of these years later there would still be fruit, and there is tonight, and we are so thankful that Sister Creel could be with us. She came and spoke at our ladies' um, meeting a few weeks back and her daughter, and before it was over with, they had one of the girls uh, pray through in the foyer of the gym, and others were being blessed back in in the back, it was just an awesome, awesome weekend, and uh, we're we're thankful for that. Genesis chapter 21, and I will read beginning with verse number one. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. I want you to underline those words. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. You can always count on God to keep his word. Always. And the Lord, that's not my message, but that's a powerful thought tonight. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time, everybody say the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Isaac means laughter. I think we preached about that a while back. God will always give you the last laugh if you stay faithful to him. Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, And as God had commanded him, and Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me, not at me, but with me. And she said, who shall have, uh, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given child suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which he had borne unto Abraham, Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Before I give you my subject tonight, I want to preface my remarks with this. And I want you to listen to this very carefully. I am going to use a spiritual analogy tonight. So I don't want anybody going home from service tonight telling somebody that Brother Hughes said it was okay for you to kick somebody out. 
I'm not going to deal with the person. I want to deal with the spirit. My subject tonight is who's going to live in your house? Who's going to live in your house? Stop a moment and ask yourself that question. Who's going to live in my house? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We live in a world that is full of strange dichotomies and contradictions. We live in a world where miracles are everywhere. It doesn't take a very astute person, just an observant person, to look around and see all of the mighty acts of God, the marvels and the wonders and supernatural things that God continually does on a daily basis. The sun has come up in the east since the beginning, and it has set in the west since the beginning and with the coming and the going of the sun and the moving of the moon and the rotation of the earth seasons come and go and they are forever the same and God supernaturally and sovereignly and all with his power created all of that and we are allowed to enjoy that miraculous work of God tonight. At the same time, there are also many mistakes around us. There are many faults in understanding and faults in perception and faults in interpretation of life. There are many wrongs and many errors and many blunders and many miscalculations and many tragic failures. It is an irony that miracles and mistakes could reside in the same world, but they do. They do. They live in the same world. What is even a greater mystery is how a miracle and a mistake can reside in the same tent, in the same house, in one life. One thing that we have in common tonight above all others is our ability to make mistakes. No one is exempt from that. No one is exempt from that ability. And it is in us, we just have that knack for doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, thinking the wrong thing. And we have all made them, and everybody said amen. Any of you that have not made any mistakes, I want you to rise right now and exit the building because this message will mean absolutely nothing to you. All right. Some of us, our mistakes have been small. They were insignificant. Some of us, they were just earth-shaking. Mistakes, with what I have learned, have no educational boundaries. They have no age limitations. 
and they have no class restrictions. I've seen brilliant people make some really horrible mistakes. I have seen wise people make foolish decisions. I have seen good people really make poor choices because mistakes know no boundaries and they know no limitations and there is no class restriction in that field of mistakes. And it is our mistakes that are private at times and public at others. But whether our mistakes are public or private, they always have a way of reminding us that they are there. For some, their lives have been more affected by the mistakes in their life than the miracles in their life. I want to say that again because some of you need to hear what I'm saying right now. There are some lives that are more affected by the mistakes they've made than the miracles that God has brought into their lives. And it is true that our mistakes are never far from our minds. They rise up and greet us when we try to pray. And they laugh at us when we step out to volunteer for something. And they mock us when we lift our hands as we did earlier and we try to worship. And they distract us when we try to make a commitment to God. And they haunt us when we attempt to rise and become better than what we were. They goad us and rob us of blessings and peace and they raid and deplete our energy and they drain our spiritual reserves and they leech on us and they suck out of us the very life of our existence and they have a way of affecting our lives for a long, 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 long time. Amen. You may have a... You, 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 you may be listening to me tonight and say, well, Brother Hughes, I, I don't have a Hagar kind of mistake in my life, but you have something. And your mistakes and my mistakes affect us in some way. Your mistake could have been a confrontation you had during a tense moment in your life. Your, your mistake may have been that you would not forgive somebody that has hurt you and done you wrong. Maybe your mistake was an action that soiled your life in the past and, and, it, and it marred your testimony and witness to God. Maybe your mistake was just dishonesty. Maybe you lied about something. Maybe you cheated on something. Maybe you gave in to lust or passion. Or maybe there was some bitterness that came into your life over a wound that never has healed. But whatever it was, it's there. Maybe, maybe. And oh, the fears that our mistakes create. And oh, the doubts that they nurture. And oh, the anguish of heart that they stir. And the shame that they foster in our mind. And the guilt that they encourage us to continue to pacify and allow in our lives. 
How strange it is that in this world where miracles and mistakes both reside, that for many people the mistakes seem to win out over the miracles all the time. How often it happens. It would be a wonderful thing in life indeed if we did not have to deal with mistakes and failures and we did not have to deal with the product of those failures and mistakes, but we do. In our text tonight, I think you are quite familiar with the story of Sarah and Abraham. What I want to point out to you is that Sarah and Abraham were not evil people. Sarah and Abraham were not wicked people. Sarah and Abraham were people of faith. They were good people. They were God-honoring people. They were God-following people. They had been called and responded to God's call. Both Sarah and Abraham had the blessings of God upon their life. But in our text... There is living in the tent of Abraham many conflicting things. In Sarah's life, there was the conflict of a promised child and a barren womb. In Abraham's life, there was the thing that God had spoken to him in private and the age that was catching up on him and pushing him beyond the ability to produce And while Abraham and Sarah waited, the tension grew and time was running out. And is often the case with us when we get under the gun and we begin to feel the pressure of the moment. Many of us start trying to play God ourselves. And so Sarah and Abraham fell into that trap. Mistakes seem to often occur when there's conflict in our lives. Sarah had conflict. Abraham had conflict. God had promised things that had not come to pass. Time had moved on. Nothing had happened. God's promises had not been fulfilled. What was going to happen? Do I believe God or do I take things into my own hands? And it was in that waiting process that it proved to be their most difficult difficult task. We often get impatient with the slowness of life. God promises us many things, but sometimes it's years before those promises come to pass. God puts something in our heart, and then he calls on us to wait in patience. God said, I'm going to do this, but he doesn't tell us when he's going to do it. And so in the waiting process, we become anxious, and many times we magnify our problems by doing things, trying to play God. Time complicates our lives and it pushes all of us to do things that we should not do. Because if you knew how things were going to turn out, you wouldn't do them. But we don't. We don't know how things are going to turn out. And so we are left to trusting God and trusting His Word. And time wears all of us down. What we do while we wait, though, is a revelation of our character. And I'm going to tell you something about character. There are many things in life that have plagued me. But one of the things that has plagued me the most has been people that have great talents often fall 
and they stumble and they make mistakes. Some of the greatest talent in a church sometimes gets sidelines by mistakes that they make. Sometimes some of the greatest people that could be the most influential in growing a church and helping to do Bible studies become sidetracked because of a mistake that they made in their life. And what has amazed me and what has always been in the back of my mind and I've tried to remember it in my own life is that my talent can take me farther than my character can keep me if I'm not careful. And so when we're waiting, that's the revelation of who we really are. That process of time when our faith has to work and nothing more. When our trust has to be kicked into gear and nothing else. There are times when I come into this church that all I have to come in on is a promise from God. I don't feel nothing. I haven't really heard anything recent from God, or it seems that I haven't. I don't feel like God's real close to me right now, but I've come into this sanctuary, and I've learned how to lift my hands, and I've learned how to praise Him, not because of what I feel, but because of what I know, and because of what God has put in my heart, and what God has given me in the past, and what God has given me in the past is good enough for the present. And so I just decided I'm going to worship Him anyhow. Amen. Worship Him anyhow. What we do when we wait, that has so much to do with our life. Another thing that is so powerfully moving about the story is that when your external image becomes more important to you than your internal health or faithfulness. You're on the verge of making a mistake. When Abraham and Sarah became more concerned about the outside, what people might think or what people might say about what God had said in their life, when they became more concerned about that than they were that internal clock and that word that God had put on the inside of them, they were pushed into a place of making a tragic mistake that would haunt them the rest of their lives and it's still haunting our world today. It's when we're more worried about what people think. Sometimes when we don't think God is going to do anything, we compromise our position. We compromise our standards. We compromise our convictions. And we settle for far less than what God had planned for us simply because we are unwilling to wait on God. Mistakes are made when we are frustrated. And who among us has not been frustrated at times? Many of our mistakes happen when things don't work the way we had wanted. Things aren't working out like we had hoped and things aren't going as we planned. And mistakes are made based on temporary circumstances, not on eternal verities. And so we make mistakes. We live in small places with big regrets Living in a tent with great tension and turmoil. Abraham can speak to you tonight. And so it came to a point in Abraham and Sarah's life that they had to make a decision. 
Abraham had to decide who was going to live in his house. Yes, I've made a mistake. Yes, I got out of the plan and the sequence of God. Yes, I didn't listen to my spirit. I listened to my flesh. But you know what? I've got to make a choice tonight of what's going to continue to live in my house. And Abraham said, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to what God told me in the beginning. I think I'm going to go back to what God started in my life, not what I have produced in my life. And so it came time for Abraham to put Hagar out. It was not an easy situation. And I'm not here talking to anybody about putting a person out of your life. But I am here tonight to tell somebody that there are spirits that haunt you. And there are spirits that trouble you tonight. And there are spirits that are products of your mistakes and your failures. And there are spirits that have been there for a long, long time. And they keep coming back. And they keep whispering in your ear. And at some point in your life, you have to make up your mind who's going to live in your house. And I made up my mind that I want faith living in my house, not fear. I want faith living in my house, not failure. I want faith living in my house, not frustration. I want faith living in my house, not bitterness. I want faith living in my house, not anger. I want faith living in my house, not resentment. I want faith living in my house rather than greed. I want faith living in my house rather than all the other residents that want to come. Because faith will bring me to where God wants me to go and will produce in my life what God has promised it will produce. And what I produce will never do that. It will never do that. God was calling them somewhere. And you cannot find the blessings of God in the failures of yesterday, no matter how hard you try. You've got to put it out. You've got to say, you know what? You've lived in this house long enough. You've mocked me long enough. Am I talking to anybody here tonight that has had a mistake that just mocks you? You get up in the morning, you try to put it behind you, but when you wake up in the morning, it just pops up on the other side of the bed. Not a person, but I'm talking about on the other side. That spirit comes creeping back into your mind. When you're going through the day, it reminds you, you did this or you did that, or you said that or you felt that. And all of that comes back to our mind and we struggle with that and we're depressed by that and we're afraid of that and we're overwhelmed by that what I've come to preach to somebody tonight is maybe it's time for you to have a house cleaning maybe it's time for you to decide who's going to live in your house either fear's going to live there or faith is going to live there either God's hand is going to be there or your hand is going to be on it and if you want that you can have it but I think I would rather have the hand of God Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And no matter how hard you try, the failures of yesterday, no matter how hard you try, you cannot find the blessings of God in them. You have to put them away. Amen. you got to put them away. You know what the trouble is? Many of us want God to bless what we have done. 
and God's not going to do it. So what do you have to do with what you have done? You've got to bring it to an altar. And you've got to lay it on that altar. And you've got to repent. That's the beautiful part of repentance. Is that it allows me to free myself from those mistakes of yesterday. It doesn't erase that. Perhaps in my life it just frees me from that. That you say, well, well, Hagar and Ishmael lived forever. They lived a long time. They're still living in the world, and that's true. But you know what? You don't have to be dominated by them either. You don't have to be mocked by them either. You don't have to be controlled by them. And every time you look at the children of Israel, every time they became spiritually weak, they allowed that spirit to come back into their life, and it mocked them and tore tormented the seed of Ishmael, mocked Israel for years to come. Every time they allowed their spiritual energy to go down, it came back to haunt them. You need to put something out tonight and say, you know what? You're not welcome in my house. I don't want you in my heart. I don't want you in my mind. I'm not giving in to those thoughts anymore. I'm better than that. God called me to something better than that. God led me to something better than that. And I am going to be what God called me to be. Amen. I'm going to let my mistakes rule me or my life. Or I'm going to let my faith rule me in my life. I'm going to put the mistake out and let the promise rule. Or I'm going to allow it to rule And the promise be shut out. Which would you rather have? Hmm. You and I have to decide tonight who's going to live in our house. No, you aren't going to be given an opportunity to put it off. You need to do it tonight. Either doubt or trust. Either fear or faith. Either conflict or commitment. Either frustration or faithfulness. One of them is going to live there, but they both can't live together because one will mock the other. And whenever you get to the place that you're tired of being mocked, you'll do what Abraham and Sarah did. You'll put Hagar out. When you get tired of being beat down and run over and run back over and run back over, You're going to rise up and say, you know what? I made a mistake. And I can't go back and undo that mistake. I can't go unravel that. But I am better than my mistake. Why do I say that? Because God said that. Abraham, you're still the man that I'm counting on. You're still the one the seed's going to come from. It may look impossible at the moment, but just hang on, Abraham. I'm not through working yet. And when Abraham allowed God to do his work in his time, God brought it to pass just like he told Sarah he was going to bring it to pass. Just like he told Sarah he was going to do. He made her with child. He made her have the ability to bear a child again. And God kept his word as he always will. Amen. So what is it going to be? What is it going to be? A life filled with frustration. A life filled with regret. A life filled with wishing and hoping. and 
Oh, if I hadn't done that, and I hadn't done that, and I hadn't done that, I, I, I would be a better piece of equipment for God to use, Brother Hughes. Listen, folks, God uses all kind of marred vessels for His glory. God uses all kind of people that's been filled with mistakes. If he could use an Abraham that got ahead of the plan of God and brought and produced a seed out of his own flesh and out of his own will, if God could use a Jacob who was a conniver and a schemer and a liar and a cheater, but somewhere behind all of that there was a hunger for the very best God had to offer. If God could use a David who could slay a man because of his own an adulterous affair if God could use a man like Simon Peter who stood at the fires in Pilate's hall and cursed and said I don't know who he is and he could transform him in just a matter of a few weeks and he preached a message at Pentecost God can use me no matter how many mistakes I've made no matter how many failures there are in my life Come on, stand to your feet right now and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So what's it going to be? What's it going to be? What kind of spirit's going to live in your house? That haunting, tormenting, torturing, mocking spirit of an Ishmael that only ridicules the promise of God? Or is it going to be an Isaac who is the fulfillment of promise? Who is God doing what he said he would do? You and I get to decide tonight. There are some of you in the throes of places you've never been before. Some of you are in financial distress and going through changes in your life and all of that, and it would be easy to lose sight of what's important, and it would be easy to get overwhelmed by that. And somewhere in your mind, you've got to make up your mind. God started me on this road, and I believe God's going to keep me on this road. God's going to keep me. So who's going to live in your house? Some of you need to take a moment and just go to the door of your heart and open it right now. And go back in those back rooms where fear and doubt have been harbored and held and hidden. Go back in those closets back in the back part of your house. And open those closet doors up and say, come on, you're, you're going out. You know what I like about Jesus is that there's some things he just won't tolerate. There's some things that are he's not going to put up with. And when Jairus came to Jesus and he was in such a desperate situation and he came and fell down before the Lord and begged him to come to his house because his daughter was dead, Jesus went on the way. On the way. There's a woman touches him that has an issue of blood. You know the story. There was a delay. He's ministering to her. Jairus is anxious. He looks up in the crowd and he sees one of his servants coming. He can see that look on their face. He knows it's not good news. And the servant comes and said, you don't need to trouble him any longer. Your daughter is dead. 
The Bible said Jesus, hearing those words, turned and said, Believe only, and she shall live. Nothing else is said. Jairus just turns and goes with him. Matthew records this, that when they got to the house, the mourners had already started their, their, their chanting. They had already hired a crew to come in and start all of the ritual of mourning. They had filled the house. They were wailing and whining. She's dead. Oh, we've lost our loved one. And when Jesus came into that kind of situation, the first thing he did was clean house. The first thing he did was clean house. He opened the door and said, get out. What you are producing and what I want to produce are not conducive. (laughs) Amen. And so he puts him out. He moves him out and then he brings the father and the family and I think a disciple or two in and he shuts the door and he begins the process of working that miracle. Maybe, maybe tonight, I'm I'm not being sarcastic or facetious, please don't misread what I'm saying, but maybe the reason some of us are so frustrated right now is because we think we can keep all that other stuff And have him too. Because we like that. We like feeling bad. I hate to say that, but we really do as a nation. We like feeling bad. We like being down in the dumps sometimes. It seems like that. We, We like talking about what's wrong in our life. And so we want to hang on to a little bit. So we we put them back in the back room. Back out the screen porch if necessary. But we keep them. We still want the Lord to do His work. The Lord said, you know what? I, I don't operate in that kind of atmosphere. I want to ask you tonight one more time. Who's going to live in your house? Amen. I think I'd like the promise of God to live. I, I think I'd like for what God started to be finished in my life. Woo! I, I think what God started in my life as just a 12-year-old kid at the end of an altar in Wichita Falls, Texas. And all of the times in my life I've messed up and made mistakes and the devil's gotten the advantage over me and he's reminded me of what a poor example I was and what a poor example I am. All of those things accumulated. There's something still inside of me that said, you know what? I want to trust that man that started what that, that work in that 12-year-old boy that he's going to finish this thing and he's going to take me on through. He's going to bring me to where he said he was going to bring me. I just made up my mind. I want to go where God said I can go. Come on, church. It's cleaning house time. Spring is a great time to do what we call spring cleaning. When I was a kid, we opened up the windows. We beat the rugs out. We took furniture outside. We let it air out in the spring weather. It was spring cleaning time. 
And I'll never forget one of the most vivid memories I have is of a spring cleaning where I got rid of something that had been troubling our family for a long time. I shot it with a BB gun over and over and over again. But it changed the direction of our family. As just a little boy didn't really know what he was doing. He just knew he didn't like what he felt in his home. He didn't like what he saw happening to his dad who was backslid. And so he took a BB gun to an instrument that had become divisive in a family. And it wasn't long after that that my father made his way back to a church. And I don't know, it may not have had anything to do with that. But it wasn't long after that that my dad, I can remember the night, he, he walked all the way to the platform. He wouldn't stop until he could get up to where Brother Holly could put his hand on his head. And he said, I want you to pray for me because I need God in my life tonight. Amen. And you know what? The glory of that story is that my dad died still reaching for that promise that God put in his heart a long time ago in a pit in, in Wichita Falls, Texas, when God began to deal with his heart about living for him and serving him. He didn't allow his mistakes to tear his life to pieces. He didn't allow some miscalculation or some misinterpretation of life to, dealt, to put him down. He said, you know what? I am better than that. God called me to something better than that. God has something. Something better for me in my life. And that's what I want. Is there anybody here tonight that wants that? Is there anybody here tonight that said, God, I want you to finish what you started in my life. No matter how many mistakes I make. No matter how many failures there are in my life. I want you to finish what you started in my life. I want the promise of God working and living in me. I want the hand of God on my life. I want the assurance of God in my heart. I want the will of God done in my family. I want your presence. I want your power. I want your blessing. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Bring your fear and lay it at the altar tonight. Bring your doubt and lay it at the altar tonight. Bring your worries and lay it at the altar tonight.